couple of weeks ago, we were starting some of these summer uh, strategy discussions with our customers and looked at simulating optimal market weight over uh, out to this peak July market. And on average, what that was showing us was optimal market weights are going to go up by about 11 pounds across seven packers. Now, there's differences across packers, and we recognize using industry averages is a little dangerous as everybody's got different positions. But as Matt said, but directionally, is telling, you know, at that time, it was telling us to take weights up. And as Matt said, weights typically drop in the summer. Uh, so really, there's about a 20 pound swing of weights there to try to manage between taking them up 10 uh, in summer heat, dropping them 10. And that's really where the discussion begins of, you know, where do we anticipate the hockey puck going and what's our plan to get there? Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Roundtable. This is a new series of episodes created by the Swinet Podcast and Cargill, where we'll have roundtables with experts of the global swine industry tackling subjects that can influence the producer's bottom line. Welcome to the Swinet Podcast Show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode. Cargill supports the podcast goal of helping pork producers improve their systems and business. Let's get back to the podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Greiner, your host for today's Swine It podcast. And today we're going to be talking about summer profitability. And as we start this topic, I actually have three guest speakers for today. And so I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves to you. Uh, the first one I have is uh, Matt Ritter. Matt, would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Laura. I'm Matt Ritter. I lead the North American Swine Technical Team for Cargill Provimi. Wonderful. Glad to have you. We have a second Matt on today. We have Matt Wolf. Matt, would you please introduce yourself? My name is Matt Wolf. I live in central Iowa. I work with producers across the Midwest and try to help them improve their pork business and, and ultimately profitability. Wonderful. Glad to have you on, Matt. And lastly, we have Queen Yun Lee. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself as well? Yes. Thank you, Laura, for having me. Qing uh, Yun Lee. I also go back here. I'm a swan nutritionist technical support for uh, Cargill. I uh, was originally from China, did my bachelor's master's in China, came to the States in 2015, uh, did my PhD under Dr. John Patience uh, for Swan Nutrition at Iowa State University. Now I joined Cargill uh, for just over three years. I live in Dayton, Ohio area. Perfect. Well, wonderful. I'm so glad to have you all on today. And I think this is a really good topic to bring out to our group. We generally think about daylight savings time is the time of year that we really need to be making sure we're on summer diets, if not even a little bit before that. And so I think uh, particularly as we look at this summer, when we think about hog prices and grain prices, there's a lot of questions around what, what are our next steps. So let's just start with that conversation. What as an industry are we seeing for those trends for the summer? Well, so once again, it, it appears that our best chance of profitability is, is coming up here in Q2 and Q3. However, this year, the, the stakes are much higher. 
I was just reviewing the, the latest numbers in our pig flash model today. And with current ingredient pricing, wean to finish feed costs are looking to be unfortunately $115 per pig. But relative to lean hog futures, pig flash still projects very strong profits, 30, 40, $50 per pig, depending on wean pig cost and, and other inputs. So no doubt there's an incentive to make sure we capture this opportunity in the form of selling enough weight this summer. However, it's also typical uh, time of year when most pigs are sold lighter than ideal uh, due to summer heat. So a first step that we've taken when working with the producer to develop a summer strategy is to help them determine what their optimal marketing weight will be on their specific packer grid. And that is where the use of some of our digital tools has been valuable working with customers. Dr. Ritter has done excellent work in this area, helping develop and utilize our producer profitability tools uh, to help answer that question for producers. Matt, maybe you can add in here. Yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, we were starting some of these summer uh, strategy discussions with our customers and looked at simulating optimal market weight over uh, out to this peak July market. And on average, what that was showing us was optimal market weights are going to go up by about 11 pounds across seven packers. Now, there's differences across packers, and we recognize using industry averages is a little dangerous as everybody's got different positions. But as Matt said, but directionally, is telling, you know, at that time, it was telling us to take weights up. And as Matt said, weights typically drop in the summer. Uh, so really, there's about a 20 pound swing of weights there to try to manage between taking them up 10 uh, in summer heat, dropping them 10. And that's really where the discussion begins of, you know, where do we anticipate the hockey puck going and what's our plan to get there? And that's really good. And, you know, we certainly understand that those weight dips do typically happen in the summer months with the heat. And many of us will immediately want to add products like fat to, of course, make those diets a little bit more nutrient dense to support that lower feed intake. But what do we see? Because as we just talked about, ingredient prices are definitely increasing and fat typically goes along with this. So where do we see fat playing into the summer rations? So it, it does appear that uh, fat will price itself out much more easily than, than what it has in the past. Uh, seeing fat currently at 80 cents per pound and, and likely working higher yet. So adding on to, to Dr. Ritter's comments, as, as we understand what optimum target weight uh, looks like for a producer and understand uh, how far we need to go in, in terms of gain, that's when we can really start to look at other options and try to associate economics and return on investment with those options. And so some things we've been discussing with customers are different diet strategies that, that might include amino acid ratios and amino acid densities, uh, space flexibility and, and or addition of space, marketing strategy, and then certainly some additive possibilities too. Yeah, I think those are some great starting point discussions. And so let's start with diets. Uh, Q, I think we'll visit with you a little bit about this. What are some options that we should be considering or producers should be considering for the summer months in terms of their diets? Yeah, from a dietary nutrient level standpoint, uh, like, what you mentioned, you and Matt mentioned, uh, fat uh, is the common one in the past. 
Uh, but with the fat price changes so much this year, definitely uh, we have to consider something else. Uh, so we need to can still consider increasing the dietary energy, uh, but it's definitely from uh, alternative energy sources or uh, can we reduce uh, the dietary fiber? Because whenever we reduce that, uh, it's going to replace by corn and that will increase the dietary energy. So alternative energy sources can be bakery, um, but we need to keep a few things in mind. Uh, that include the uh, variability of the different, different bakery sources, uh, the mycotoxins that can be in there. Um, and then when we adjust the fiber levels, uh, we are also reducing the heat increment from the fiber fermentation and potentially improve the branching amino acid ratios specifically uh, from distillers. So energy is definitely the biggest one. And then the next one, I would say uh, lysine levels or lysine to any, uh, energy ratios. Um, so we want to maximize the lysine um, levels in the diet so that they can reach their genetic uh, growth potential. Uh, we have done a few research in this area. Uh, different genetics have different uh, lysine requirement. So producers need to consult with their genetic, genetic provider or nutrition provider for those recommendations. Along that line, we actually also did a study in the lysine levels after the first cut. So what we found is that increasing lysine levels after first cut improved everyday gain and profitability. Um, so biologically, it makes sense because the first cut, most of the pigs are going to eat barrels. And then the rest is um, there's more uh, gilts. And gilts have higher lysine requirement and uh, lean deposition, right? Uh, so then the next the biggest one would be amino acid to lysine ratios. Uh, heat, uh, heat stress causes uh, increased uh, oxidative stress, and that increases the antioxidant enzymes requirement. Methionine plus cysteine, uh, they are the important component for glutathione, uh, which is an antioxidant enzyme. So Avonic has run uh, methionine plus cysteine uh, to lysine level requirement during heat stress. And what they found is that we could increase the requirement by 20% higher than NRC and to reach uh, the performance back to similar the thermoneutral conditions. At Cargill, we also have run a methionine titration trial. We also found similar things. Um, by increasing that ratio, we saw improved gain. Um, tryptophan to lysine ratios is another one. Uh, tryptophan is a precursor for serotonin, uh, so that can regulate feed intake. So if we increase that, that can also uh, improve the, uh, the game. Not necessarily feed efficiency, but the game. Actually, in Cargill, we have a model called PORCMAX. So it's a uh, diet strategy slash economic modeling tool. Uh, it incorporates the nutrient uh, demand, uh, nutrient supply from the ingredients, ingredient prices, uh, diet formulation, uh, animal uh, nutrient demand. 
based on different limb deposition, different genetic genetics, and then we were able to project uh, the performance and economics. So with that, hopefully a producer can make more informative decisions to maximize uh, profits or minimize their cost. Yeah, so I'm gonna take a step back before we go forward and, and just kind of recap for our audience. So what I'm hearing in this discussion is one, um, we're seeing that that market optimal market weights are technically increasing by 10 pounds over the summer months, but we or historically reduce weights by about 10 pounds. So we have a 20 pound uh, range that we're trying to overcome uh, through the summer months to maximize our profitability. As Q just uh, walked through with us with fat prices being elevated, that's probably not going to play into people's diets um, for the summer. And so we need to look at considering reducing such things as fiber to allow our corn levels to go up to keep the energy up or consider products like bakery and then maximize our lysine intake so that we account for that lower feed intake and balance our amino acids such as methionine and cysteine to help with the antioxidant stress and the tryptophan from a feed intake perspective. So I think those are all really good concepts to think about from a nutrition perspective. And, and obviously with, with my training, that's where I'm most interested, but we know it doesn't end there. As Matt alluded to earlier, other things like spacing and marketing potential can also influence this. And so let's step back a little bit and talk about spacing. Q, you had brought up just at the end there that when we take the first cut out, pigs have a greater response to lysine after the first cut because we tend to leave our gilts in and they would have a higher lysine requirement. Many of us have talked over years about how we see this large jump in growth potential after the first cuts out of barns are taken, whether that's due to just physical floor space, feeder space, et cetera. Um, but we also acknowledge that by removing the bigger pigs, we're changing the social hierarchy in the pen as well. And so there's many discussions over, do we market? one group, two groups, and so forth. And so we'll get to that in a minute, but let's start with spacing. So um, Matt, maybe you could help us walk through how space will play into what we're going to do this summer. Sure, so space on paper is the cheapest option we have for adding weight. May not be possible for every producer, but let's say a, an 11 cent per day space cost, it, it is the cheapest option we have. So, but if that's not a possibility, there, there are some other ideas that come to mind. Uh, for starters, consider reviewing and lowering stocking densities. Extra space allowance typically results in a higher average daily gain. And especially with the industry's trend of marketing at heavier weights, I, I think it's a great time to review space allowance per pig. Another thought is, is consider double stocking in certain phases to, to free up time or space. So maybe double stock in the nursery phase to allow more time or space in the finishing phase. And then lastly, we, we believe it's important to ensure that sites are adequately using all space. Not uncommon to walk into a barn and have certain pens underutilized, uh, such as a hospital pen. But especially in this economic environment, we want all pens used and, and all pigs to have as much space as possible for maximum gain. 
I think that's really good. Um, any thoughts? I know we're a little bit late already, but if we think about weaned pigs in this in this time frame, should we be trying to sell off weaned pigs? Is there value in doing that, or should we be holding on to those pigs? Any thoughts on that as well? Sure, I think that's an attractive uh, possibility as well as wean pigs approached and I think even exceeded $100 per pig. So very good profits there. And then yes, that should free up more space, more time, or, or just at least more space allowance for, for the pigs that you do have on feed. You had mentioned double stocking and I know double stocking in the nursery is common. Do you have a, a specific time limit, if you will, that you would prefer pigs to be double stocked or a, a weight break or anything like that that you might recommend to the producers where you feel like the double stocking starts to cause more negative potential than than the positive that we're trying to accomplish here? That's a great, uh, great point. Great question that uh, I don't think I'll give any specific answers to because I, I think it can vary so much depending on square footage and, and facility types and, and many other variables. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great comment as well as we need to take all factors into consideration. So let's jump over now to the market side. So I also threw that out when we think about cuts and, and how we approach this this whole marketing potential. And so um, are there any strategies that we really should be considering for the summer? Well, if we just take a step back, a lot of what we've been doing is is determining what is the optimal market weight by packer for the current time period, and then forecasting that out over the summer months out to July. And then, you know, looking at where do we currently sit today? Are we within striking range of those goals as we get out to July? Or are we going to have to make some major plans to offset a, you know, a difference of 10 plus pounds? Uh, that we've got to overcome. Then, you know, we've, we now have situations where producers are mul uh, marketing to multiple packers and each one of these packer grids differs. Some have pretty large discounts for heavy pigs. Others are a little softer. And as we look at some of these extreme carcass prices now going out over 110 to $120, we're seeing the market weights really optimal market weights start to differentiate between packers where some of these with very large discounts are probably going to have optimal market weights of 275 and some with soft discounts on heavies maybe 300 pounds uh, so this can create a situation where a production system may market to both of those scenarios and in the past they've treated those as one flow of pigs one set of diets and now you've got optimal market weights differing by 20, 25 pounds between two packers. And I think it's forcing us to rethink how we market pigs and that we probably need to think about those as two different populations of pigs fed differently and marketed to, to different outcomes. Uh, we also need to be thinking about this summer, if I've got multiple packers, where am I gonna send my lights? Where am I going to send my heavies and how do we manage that properly um, as we go throughout the summer? And then as you were talking earlier, Laura, when we actually, after we've set those targets, what is that marketing strategy? If we look back in the literature, uh, Dr. Ellis's lab at the University of Illinois in the early 2000s did a lot of work uh, with under the student of uh, Jake DeDecker. 
Um, and those studies, series of studies showed if we topped a pin, say took 10 to 25% of the pigs out of the pin, we could expect a performance bump in those remaining pigs where we'd see an improvement of average daily gain about 11% and a bump of feed efficiency of about 5.5%. Now, as we look at today, the, that data is getting dated as much as I hate to say it being a lat of Jake's. You know, that's 15, 20 years ago. Uh, you know, market weights then were 250, 275, and now we're talking about 300-pound pigs. And obviously, the lean growth potential of of our genetics has changed considerably. Uh, so we've recently conducted some marketing strategy studies there to get some more current work um, where we, we repeated a study over two wean to finish turns, used four marketing strategies. Our, our first treatment was a control uh, where we did a whole pin dump uh, on day 28. So this was over a 28 day period. Treatment two was a cut and dump. So we took 25% on day zero. 75% on day 28. Treatment three was a three cut strategy. We took 25% day zero, 25% day 14, and then took the remaining 50% on day 28. And then treatment four is where you go in and you take 20% weekly from day zero to day 28. We felt those were fairly representative of what's being used in the industry. Um, what we found there uh, lines up pretty well with the literature. If you want to maximize weight and throughput, you don't take cuts. You market them all on day 28. Um, however, we don't do that for a couple of reasons. One, uh, those pigs will get crowded, especially as we're over 300 pounds in this study. Uh, we see a major hit on average daily gain and feed efficiency and taking cuts. We do see significant improvements on those two variables. Also, that that approach of a whole pen dump is going to lead to more variation in carcass weight and some potential sort loss to come along with that. Now, you know, I would say where there's a gap in the literature is if I take multiple cuts, do I get a bump after each cut in performance? And in our trial, uh, the cut and dump gave the same performance benefits as three cuts and five cuts. Uh, but it did deliver a five pound heavier market weight than the three cut strategy. So as we look at this summer and we talked about this, you know, uh, weights are going to dip, optimal market weights going up and now Q's pulling fat out of my diets and I've got another six to eight pounds to make up. You know, I think it creates uh, an interesting discussion of should we look at more of a cut and dump strategy this summer to try to recover some extra weight in pounds? The answer to that is going to vary across packers and how wide that uh, zero discount range is uh, by packer. But I definitely think it's something worth penciling out if we can get, you know, say additional five plus pounds of body weight over your current strategies, uh, something to think about. And then we've already talked about bumping the lysine after the first cut. Uh, but as we look at marketing strategies there, you know, the work from, from Dedecker and Ellis here at Illinois, I think you've got to have two weeks between cuts to really get that benefit in performance. And if we're going in there multiple times, uh, re, you know, disrupting that social hierarchy, maybe we're not getting that extra bump that we thought. So definitely lots to think about, some good uh, modeling exercises to go through there to think through how do we you know, put these different parts and pieces together, given all these changes uh, to the market and to our diets this summer.
And thank you for that, Matt. That was a really insightful discussion. And I certainly enjoy hearing about new, new research around that whole marketing phase. It's, it's one that continues to be in the forefront of many producers' minds, even when we're not talking about summer marketing trends, right? So any information that we can provide to our producers and certainly help them think about like many other things, maybe there are certain times a year that one strategy is going to be more beneficial than others, I think is, is valuable. So thank you for that. Um, lastly, that uh, Matt Wolf had thrown out there at the beginning was a, a conversation around, well, maybe we need to think about additives for the diet. And so Hugh so nicely illustrated some of the options we can do from a nutritional strategy approach. But again, we're always looking for other things that we can provide into the diets to help support these pigs, particularly whether it's through heat stress or just improving feed intake in general during those hotter months. So what might be some things that our producers and nutritionists should be considering for the summer? Yeah, I'll jump in here. This would be a great time to use paleo. <laughs> yeah. However, uh... It uh, looks like that's not in the forecast again for, for this summer. So we've got to look at what other available options we have for, for feed additives. And one of the most commonly used uh, feed additives in the grow finish space is Skysis from Alanco. Uh, that's an ionophore that improves average daily gain and feed efficiency. Um, in the 11 trial summary that Alanco has put together there, uh, when fed for greater than 50 days in the grow finish period, demonstrates that it improves average daily gain and feed efficiency by about one and a half percent each. Uh, what I would say about Skysis, where I personally see that product separating itself from the others is the carcass yield benefit that Elanco has been able to quantify. Their multiple trial summaries have been, been showing about a 0.3% increase in carcass yield. So we apply that to these heavyweight carcasses in these summer markets. There's a dollar revenue per pig right there with that carcass yield benefit uh, that I don't believe any of the other products on the market uh, can deliver. So Skysis is, is obviously one of the first choices there. Now, that's not a fit for every situation, uh, depending on packers you market to, as well as some of the constraints in the system. So then two other options to consider. The, uh, the first one would be Aromex Pro. Uh, that's a phytogenic product uh, that's micro-encapsulated from Delicon. Uh, the active ingredients are in essential oils and saponins. Uh, we've partnered with Delicon to do some work on that product over the last couple of years. And where we found the best fit for that product is the last 35 days of the finishing phase as we start that marketing window. Uh, we're seeing improvements of average daily gain of about 3.5% and feed efficiency of 2.5%. The other product commonly used out there would be Ambitine uh, from PMI. Uh, that would be a blend, again, of phytogenics as well as uh, acidifiers. Um, their data would be very comparable to what I just referenced there for Aramex Pro, about a 3.5% improvement gain and 2.5% improvement feed efficiency. Those would be the three that I would say uh, we see most commonly used uh, by large pork producers uh, that have uh, substantial data around them to understand both the benefits as well as the consistency of the response. Now, you know, another thing to think about is, is we start looking at these market prices is all of a sudden these market hogs are worth over $250 this summer. So we've really got to think about the health 
uh, component here and the cost of late finishing mortality. Uh, so Q, I'm going to pass it over to you to, to talk about an option there. Yeah, uh, thank you, Matt. And there's another option uh, which is commonly used by many producers. Uh, it's xalanase. So xalanase is a uh, carbohydrate enzyme that breaks down fiber or long-chain polysaccharides into shorter-chain polysac uh, oligosaccharides. And then, uh, then we, it will uh, release the encapsulated nutrients like protein, fat, um, from the uh, plant cell wall for endogenous um, enzymes to digest. And then the oligosaccharides then can be uh, utilized by the intestinal microbes to modulate their population. Uh, additionally, either directly or indirectly, it can modulate the immune status of the animals. So uh, there has been more than 20 trial summary uh, which showed the xalanase can improve lovability. So um, on average, it reduces mortality by 29%. Depending on when the pigs uh, are going to be saved, the value of xalanase is going to vary as well. Um, but we have been looking at uh, between four to six ROI based on current uh, hog market price. Yeah, I think that's very good. That certainly is something that, to always keep in mind is, is making sure those pigs get plenty of water and, and access to feed. Anytime we have potential out of feed events, we're going to run the higher risk of, of things such as hemorrhagic bowel syndrome and, and so forth, where those more expensive or more valuable pigs, whichever way you want to look at it, um, are certainly worth keeping in the herd. So those are all very excellent opportunities and, and suggestions for our producers to think about as we start stepping into these warmer months for us um, here in the next month or two. So I, I do want to thank you all for your time. I think this conversation has been really beneficial. It certainly helped us understand what we have in terms of numbers and metrics that we need to look for this summer, as well as give us some different ways to approach how we wanna manage trying to, to get those optimal weights, whether it's through diets, through space, through marketing, through feed additives, um, all of those things give us uh, opportunities for improvement and changes to help uh, give us the best opportunity to make uh, good money this summer. It is time to our famous three. So as we wrap up, um, as you all know, we do ask our guest speakers a few additional questions. Um, the first one we like to ask is really around what your favorite swine resource is. Um, Matt, I know I, Matt Ritter, I know I've asked you this before, so I'm going to turn it over and um, see what the others may think of this. I can I can start here. Uh, my favorite. Uh, Swine-related book is Feeding Efficiency in Swine Plus NRC <laughs> 2012. <laughs> Feed efficiency in swine. Okay, very good. I, I do quite a bit of traveling, so since I'm on the road, my my best resource is your podcast. Oh, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> All right, so the next question we're going to ask is, is really around um, something that's not pig related. So 
Uh, many times, um, if you are traveling on the road, you might have some hotel time in the evenings that you're looking for something to do besides whatever is new on Netflix or whatever channel you might watch. And so um, are there any books that you might recommend to our audience that either are you know, enjoyable books for you or books that you think are great from a self-help or a business perspective that, that you think would bring value to them? I, this book has been recommended by a few of previous speakers. Uh, name is The Seven Habits of Highly uh, Effective uh, People. And I think this book definitely helped me with time management and prioritization of my work. So I recommend this. Great, you, Matt, do you have one? I guess I would mention, uh, just like I do to a lot of young people, especially in college, that maybe haven't, haven't been through it already, whereas many of the listeners here already have, is uh, StrengthsFinder. That was one that was uh, very uh, kind of eye-opening to me and, and one that I recommend. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think those are great books to help our, especially our, our individuals that are new in their careers understand their strengths, how to work with people of different strengths, and how to, to be effective team, team leaders and, and workers together. It's a good one. All right, so the last question we like to ask each of you is, is really around if we think about somebody who is considered successful, and you can define success however you want to define it, what type of quality do you think that they possess that has helped them become successful? I'm very early in my career, but I would say <laughs> uh, successful people in our industry needs to be really uh, curious to learn new things, to explore, and they need to be really passionate with what they do. Um, also keep a lot of uh, connections. Very good, thank you, Q. And Matt, do you have any? One that comes to mind for me is I think of uh, a few different people uh, uh, would be work ethic, something that uh, hope that I can I can instill in, in my kids as well. I think that's something that's that's very important that's gotten to be less and less as time goes. That's a very good one too. We don't hear that one as often on the on the podcast. So thank you both for your insights on those those questions from our books and resources down to traits and characteristics that help allow people to become successful in their career paths. So with that, I do want to thank you all for your time today. Again, for our listeners, we had uh, Dr. Matt Ritter, Dr. Matt Wolf, and Dr. Shining Lee that uh, are all joining us from Cargill. And then we're talking about summer profitability. Thank you all. And have a good day. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of nutrition on this online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding by Dr. Marcio Gonsalves and his world-class invited swine nutritionists. Additionally, you will enjoy an exclusive community to network and exchange ideas. Go now to EliteSwineNutritionist.com.